I just love sci-fi collectibles. Here's Rico now with the latest in cool props and toys. Hi everyone out there in podcast land. This is Rico and this is Drexin Sci-Fi show number 82 for Wednesday, October the 25th, 2006. Going to have kind of a casual, uh, fairly uh, quicker than normal midweek show for the podcast. Talk about some collectibles, some sci-fi news, and just some general uh, things going on with me lately. So stand by. Here we go. Treks in sci-fi. As I always like to say each time I start the podcast, welcome to the show, everyone. This is your host, Rico, for the Sci-Fi, Star Trek, Fantasy, Entertainment Podcast. Uh, it's been a while, I think, since I recorded uh, a Wednesday show on, on kind of my own. I've had some interview shows up. I've had some Skype calls for the podcast. So I, I thought this would be fun. I'm trying to get it in. It's about 6.30 at, in the evening on a Wednesday night, trying to get this all wrapped up before some of the television comes on that I watch on Wednesdays. I usually watch Jericho, which uh, airs Wednesday nights, along with Lost, although I've, I've become kind of disenchanted with Lost this season so far. I've watched two years of it, and, and I, I basically am feeling that they really need to start answering some questions that have been uh, going on for uh, two-plus years now, but that's... Uh, I guess that's sort of a sci-fi topic a little bit, but this uh, this midweek show I, I plan uh, to cover mostly uh, collectibles and, and a little bit of other news. So let's uh, let's start with the other news first. The first thing I wanted to mention, and I've mentioned this several times, just because I am really excited for this movie. Uh, Kenny on the forums uh, pointed it out to me. He posted this up earlier today, but there's a new trailer, a high definition trailer for the Aragon movie that's coming out. On December 15th, at least in the United States, this is that fantasy epic movie that I've talked a few times about, dragons and, you know, good versus evil. You know, I'm reading the second book now. I'm actually almost done with the second book, and that's called Eldest. These are both by uh, Christopher Paolini, very young authors, doing a great job. But what I wanted to say is these books have a very Star Wars kind of feel to them. It's the good versus evil there's some twists and turns. There's weird creatures going on. Uh, it, it's just there, there's even in the second book, without giving too much away, there, you know, there's magic in these books, but it comes off almost more like the Force does in the Star Wars universe. So it uh, it's very interesting. I'm really enjoying uh, the second book, and I enjoyed the first, and the movie looks spectacular. So if you go to, uh, I'll put a link to the newest trailer in the podcast notes for this week, but if you just go to apple.com and, and, and movie trailers, you'll be able to find Aragon there. And the, the HD trailer, the highest resolution one, just looks spectacular on my uh, widescreen uh, uh, Dell H... Uh, I was about to say HP. My widescreen Dell monitor, uh, it looks spectacular, this, uh, this trailer. And I'm really looking forward to the movie uh, coming out in December. So the Aragon, uh, take a look at the new trailer and let me know what you think. You remember men astride magnificent beasts. The time of dragons. Dragon rider. 
Well, I haven't uh, I haven't read a lot of emails in the recent past. I, I kind of said, I think, on a podcast that I wasn't going to do that very much or very often. But I, I did get an email today that I just wanted to share with everyone. And, you know, when I get an email like this one I'm about to read to you, it really makes doing this show uh, really uh, very worthwhile. I, I do it, obviously, because I, lo- I love sci-fi, fantasy, Star Trek especially, and just want to enjoy and share that with, with other people out there, people that might not have contact with a lot of other people that enjoy these things. And, and just to uh, spread my uh, you know my joy and enthusiasm for these subjects to other people. But I got an email today that I wanted to share with everyone. Uh, it's from a guy named Richard who is uh, lives in Melbourne, Australia. Let's just uh, go through the email. It says, Hi, Rico. Wanted to send you uh, a quick email to wish you greetings from, from Melbourne, Australia. No, not Florida. I've been listening to the podcast for a couple of months, and I think it's fantastic. On a personal note, I have to spend approximately 15 hours a week hooked up to a dialysis machine. I have to say your podcast has made a number of these hours pass much more easily. I feel your passion for your subjects and the effort you put in with the news, audio clips, and so on from episodes, movies, or whatnot is really wonderful. When I listen to, say, a movie review or episode, it takes me right back there, and I appreciate the comments and thoughts you have. I also enjoy the variety you managed to come up with, from collectibles to comics, and even your views on life and such as your family and your trip to Taiwan, which I enjoyed hearing about. So I just wanted to say thank you again for the great work you do, and keep it up. I enjoy listening, as I said above, and it makes a difficult time for me to go just a little bit easier to hear your podcast, so I at least don't mind if I... How does this go? If any of them go overtime. Oh, he says he doesn't mind if I go longer with the podcast. I especially enjoyed your uh, Sci-Fi TV 3 podcast from a few months ago, reminding me of Buck Rogers and the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh, He asked if I had talked about the original short-lived Logan's Run series. Yeah, I did that. I'm not sure, Richard, when I did that exactly, but if you look back in the podcast archive, there was a Sci-Fi TV show I did early on in in the recordings. It would be the first one of the sci-fi TV uh, group kind of uh, shows that I did on that. So look for that in the archive. I'm not sure of the number. And he says also uh, mentions the TV show Fantastic Journey, which I fondly remember as a kid watching in the 70s. Even shows like Jason of Star Command, which uh, featured, yes, James Scotty Doohan was on that show. And Land of the Lost were also a lot of fun. My brother actually enjoys Land of the Lost quite a bit. Uh, I always watched it too, but I think my brother enjoyed it even more. He says, another uh, show for your consideration, uh, oh, was Land of the Lost. I am, uh, oh, he's, sorry, he's mentioning Blake 7, which I've never caught that. Maybe a few minutes of it uh, on a a BBC type uh, station on cable. But then, uh, and then he also mentions Doctor Who. And he just says, finally, he finishes up. Thanks again. I look forward to more listening. Cheers, Richard. Well, Richard, um, it, it's great to hear from you. I really appreciate your uh, email to me, and I, I just want to say uh, it, it really makes me feel good if I can, you know, hopefully help people in any way, you know, that might be out there and, and need a little pick-me-up, talk about sci-fi and get your mind off whatever is going on in your world. And everybody has day-to-day things that they get to them, and, uh, you know, it's a tough life these days for a lot of people whether it's just your job or school or, or, or whatever it might be that, that sort of uh, is difficult to, you know, to deal with. Everyone has needs a little time to sort of relax and, and recharge each day. And, you know, podcasts is one way for people to do that, you know, watching a movie or a TV show, reading a book, playing sports, 
lots of different ways to do it. And again, if uh, if this podcast helps anyone out on that, I, I'm I'm very grateful to be able to be uh, to be part of that. So uh, thanks again for your email, Richard. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Now, before we get too much further uh, in this, and I'm, I'm shooting for about a half hour for this uh, midweek show, a little, like I said, not as long as the weekend ones, but a little more casual, just talk about some things uh, in general. I did... Uh, want to say I saw a movie over the weekend that I thought was kind of interesting, and there's sort of a sci-fi element to it. The movie was called, or is called, The Prestige, starring Hugh Jackman, you know, Hugh Jackman who played Wolverine in the X-Men movies, and Christian Bale who played Batman in uh, the Batman Begins movie from uh, a little more than a year ago now. This movie was basically about two rival magicians around the turn of the century. And there are uh, some interesting sci-fi elements in it. I'm not going to give too much away. I took my uh, took my younger son to see the movie, and he enjoyed it. He's he's very much at the age of enjoying the magic, and he, he likes to do card tricks and things like that. So it was real enjoyable for him. And they do some illusions in the movie that are that are really uh, spectacular. But again, there's a some sci-fi elements in it. It's got a lot of twists and turns. It's uh, by directed by Christopher Nolan, who did uh, direct. Uh, Batman Begins also directed Memento, and you really get a sense of the the kind of style of movie if you know those movies well. Uh, this is obviously uh, definitely shows his handiwork uh, all over it, and and I really like the movie. There, there's some, like I said, interesting twists and turns. You never know quite what to expect, and I, I really recommend it if if you're into magic, especially, or or just want an interesting uh, sort of. I was about to say intellectual, but not really. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things in this. I wouldn't call it like an intellectual movie or anything, but I'm just saying it's a good movie, I guess. I'd, I'd give it about a B if you're giving it a, a grading type scale, B or B plus. I really enjoyed it. Definitely uh, a good one to see if, you, if you're looking for something to see at the movies, The Prestige. Fascinating. Okay, let's shift over to talking about collectibles for a few. I've got a... Uh, a forum member named uh, he's a uh, jedi jeff on the forums jeff was nice enough to send in a audio review of a what's called a kubrick darth vader figure except it's the very large kubrick uh, style it's about they call it the 400 percent uh kubrick which kubricks are these small little uh plastic figures they're sort of Lego style, I guess is what you could call them, and they're doing. They've done a whole line of them in Star Wars, but these are all usually a couple inches in height, two or three inches high. But they also are doing a few what they call this 400% scale, which are much larger. Obviously, 400%. Do the math. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to say that much more. We'll let Jeff talk about it. So here's Jeff's review of this action figure. Hello. This is Jeff, Jedi Jeff on the forums. Today I'd like to review a new Star Wars collectible I recently received. It is a 400% Kubrick Darth Vader. It is made by a company from Japan called Medicom and distributed by a company called Tomi. A little history about Kubricks. A normal Kubrick figure is 3 inches high and to date they have released 6 series. Each series has 6 figures and 3 variants or chase figures. They have also released multiple exclusives and special offers. All the figures based off of the original trilogy, with one chase being an Indiana Jones. 
This special Darth Vader stands 12 inches high, and the body is brick-shaped. I guess that's where they come with the Kubrick name. This Vader is based off of the Darth Vader released in Series 4. It comes packaged in a black box with a plastic window front so that the figure can be seen. There are some Star Wars and Imperial logos on the box. As well, the inside flap has a drawing of Darth Vader's helmet. Darth Vader can be easily taken out of the package and could be placed back into the box if wanted. The interesting thing about this figure is that the helmet can be removed. His helmet comes in two pieces, the dome and the mask. The mask has a high level of detail with the bolts and sensors that were on Darth Vader's mask in the movies. These can only be seen when the dome is taken off, just like in the movie. The helmet can be removed in two stages, with removing the dome first and then removing the mask. When the helmet is removed, Darth Vader's pale head is exposed, with scarring similar to how he looked in the movies. The figure has some limited movement. The head can move from side to side, and the arms can be moved in four positions and click while moved. The legs also move and click. The hands can be turned for extra positioning, and the lightsaber that comes with the figure nicely fits in his hand, and the hilt has some nice detailing on it. Darth Vader has limited poses, but is still a great looking piece to display. The belt and the voice box look good, with plenty of details. Vader's cape is nicely fitted to him and is molded plastic. The cape is attached to his chest piece, which is two-toned and black and gray. What I like about the Kubricks is their unique look, but also the amount of little details they add to the characters they create. They make sure to include the proper weapons and accessories with the figures. The 400% Darth Vader is a good representation of his on-screen counterpart while keeping the Kubrick toy look. Thank you, Rico, for the opportunity to review this piece on your show. It is one of the more interesting and different pieces in my collection. This piece is probably most easily found on eBay or online retailers who sell Japanese collectibles. It is possible comic book or especially stores might carry it as well. I will post a link in the forums to the pictures on my Flickr account. Well, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for that great review, Jeff. It was real interesting. I, I've not really gotten into the Kubricks, either the small or these large 400% scale figures yet. I know they actually did a, uh, a few Star Trek ones uh, maybe about two years ago now or so. Basically from the original series, they had a, I had a couple of sets of those. I've still got them, and those are kind of cute. They're, they're these little tiny plastic sort of caricatures almost of the main cast from the original series that they did for Star Trek. And like uh, Jeff said in his review, they did a lot of Star Wars ones, uh, or are doing a lot of Star Wars ones recently. If you're interested in a lot more Star Wars collecting information, especially in Kubricks and other things like that, uh, I I highly recommend the uh, podcast Star Wars Action News, hosted by Arnie and Marjorie. They do a great show every Sunday about all everything uh, Star Wars collecting related. Uh, it's a great show. These guys, these two, uh, this couple, husband and wife team, do a do a wonderful job on their uh, their podcast. And if you look at any of the major podcast sites like iTunes, Podcast Alley, you can find more information. That's Star Wars Action News, and they uh, they do a great job with that. I wanted to uh, mention uh, a little bit uh, about the run or the recent uh, airings of the enhanced star trek episodes that they've been showing the last one i saw last weekend was arena 
which of course is where Kirk has to fight the Gorn. And there were some very interesting things in that episode that they slid in on the enhanced version. Of course, they had some better effects of the Enterprise flying through space, orbiting uh, Cestus III, which is the planet they first go to. But they also slid in the Gorn. Uh, they animated kind of a, a he ha, you know he's sort of a reptilian alien thing. So they animated in these uh, very fast eyelids a few times in the episode where they he would blink almost like a snake, you know, how a snake blinks very fast. You almost can't see it. You just sort of, it's, it's very fast, let's just say. But they did that in this episode, and at first, when I first saw it, it was like, did, did the Gorn just blink? I don't remember that ever happening before. And then he does it a few more times in the episode, so that was kind of cool. They also, uh, and... Uh, this was pointed out on the forums again. Brian, I didn't catch it when I saw it, but he had a shot of it. They did show a a very, very small shot of the Gorn ship. If you remember in the episode Arena, they never really show the Gorn ship, but on the view screen of the Enterprise, they show a very, very tiny uh, image of a, of a tiny ship out there. The Gorn ship looks like a typical like center section with maybe a couple of pylons uh, like the Enterprise has for the engines, but... It's extremely small and very difficult to see, but I, I don't think they wanted to overdo it, you know, have this big old Gorn ship show up and be a lot different than when the original episode aired. But anyway, I just wanted to say that I'm still continuing to watch the enhanced episodes, even though they are broadcast at the weirdest times here, at least where I live in Michigan, and I think in a lot of places. But at some places I have heard they're, they're broadcasting them a little earlier in the evenings, but look for those on your local listings uh, in the United States. I'd be curious if anyone would like to send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. And I'm curious if they're showing these enhanced new Star Trek episodes in other countries. I know I just got that email from Richard, and I've gotten emails from other people in other countries, you know, Canada especially, Great Britain, uh, Germany, uh, Netherlands, uh, just lots of different places. Anything outside the United States, Mexico, of course, I'm curious if you guys are, any of you people that are outside of the U.S., if you're getting these enhanced Star Trek episodes yet, uh, and uh, let me know what you're what you're seeing and what you think of them. Shoot me an email. I wanted to also say there was a little sad Star Trek news this week. Uh, Jane Wyatt, who played Amanda, Spock's mother, passed away at age 96. You know, she, uh, she really probably was best known for being on the show Father's Knows Best, back in the 1950s and had a very long career in both movies and television but of course to us sci-fi star trek geeks and fans out here she's she'll always be known as spock's mother amanda and i just wanted to uh mention that and rest in peace jane well here's a uh, one other bit of uh, star trek uh news and we'll throw this into the uh extreme rumor uh you know, section, but, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams, who did uh, the TV show Lost, Alias, and did last uh, summer's Mission Impossible 3 movie with Tom Cruise, well, the rumor floating around right now is that Tom Cruise, yes, crazy Tom Cruise guy, wants to have some kind of a role in the next Star Trek movie. Supposedly Tom is a big Star Trek fan, and he'd like J.J. Abrams, who he worked with on on the Mission Impossible 3 movie to somehow put Tom into the next Star Trek film, Star Trek 11, which is supposed to be filming probably in the summer or so of 2007 for release in 2008. You know, he's supposed to be a, a Star Trek fan. I've heard this rumor before, at least I've heard that Tom Cruise likes Star Trek. 
And, you know, the idea of him being in the movie, you know, who knows? We'll we'll have to wait and see. I mean, nothing Hollywood would do anymore would surprise me. Again, though, I I really, unless he's going to do it as a a favorite to J.J. Abrams and not get paid a ton of money, I, I don't see them, you know, paying Tom Cruise a lot of money to be in a Star Trek movie. Star Trek movies have have never really made a huge amount of money, and if you've got to pay that guy's salary too, I, I think that's a mistake, especially if he's only going to be in a small part. Uh, maybe he'd be in a bigger part. I don't know. But that that's just something recently I saw on the Internet in the last day or so floating around that J.J. Uh, Abrams, uh, Tom Cruise's buddy, uh, may, uh, may be asked to put him in the movie. So who knows? Who knows? I, I really doubt it. I, I don't really see it happening, but that's just... Uh, Thought I'd throw it out there for people to sort of ponder and go, hmm, so does that mean Katie Holmes would have to be in it too? I don't know. So we'll have to see how that all works out, everyone. Okay, everyone, now I think I want to get into uh, talking about a couple of collectibles that I've gotten in the past recent weeks. Uh, I've been lately getting into a lot more, like, statue collecting, uh, the short sort of half statue uh, upper torso, they're called mini busts or whatever collections. I, uh, I'm a big comic book fan besides sci-fi and Star Trek fan. And the um, the one statue that I wanted to talk about that I got recently is a statue of Mary Jane Watson, who is now, uh, of course, in the comics married to Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Now, this is a uh, sort of a recent uh, acquisition, and this, therefore, is kind of a, a recent look of the way Mary Jane Watson looks in the comics currently. This is from Bowen Design Studios. I'm looking at the base of the statue now. And it is sculpted by a guy named Tony Cipriano, C-I-P-R-I-A-N-O. And let's see, it's an edition size of 1500. It's just called Mary Jane Watson. Basically, it's, um, it's a really neat statue. It's about, I'd say about 10, 11 inches high totally. It comes out, total, totally did I say? <laughs> total in height, maybe about 11 inches high total. Uh, Mary Jane is wearing like sort of tan pants, a black kind of uh, top. And the neat thing about this statue that I really thought was kind of cool is she's got a smile on her face, and in, her, in one hand she's kind of holding Spider-Man's mask. Like in other words, she's telling her husband Peter, you know, hey, uh, do you want your mask before you head out for your little web slinging for the night? They did a really good job at this. She, they really captured, uh, I think, the way Mary Jane looks in like Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man these days. Well, not uh, Ultimate because she's a lot younger because that's a sort of a re-envisioning of Spider-Man. But at least in the Amazing Spider-Man that's, that I read, it, uh, it really captured the way she looks, I think, very well in that. Uh, what else do I want to say? It's, it's made out of uh, typical statue resin type material. It's painted very well. I think they did a great job in it, and it's not all that expensive. I think it was around seventy or eighty dollars. I'm trying to recall. Uh, they should be still around on eBay. I only got this about a month ago. I'll have some. Uh, there's some photos, of course, to give you a lot better look at it. I'll I'll link those in the podcast notes. And always of any collectibles that I discuss on the podcast, I always have uh, images of those in the collection gallery. If you get a take a link or take a look on the main treksf.com homepage there's a collection gallery link right there so take a look for that but this is a very nice piece and again i've got something new to put into my ikea uh, glass cabinets which i can never say too many good things about these cabinets uh, are a great deal keep the dust off things and really keep stuff nice so 
That's it for the Mayor Jane statue review. Uh, nice piece. If you're into comic collecting or comic books, uh, take a look at this. And I'm going to come back here in a second and talk about another uh, statue-type piece that I got uh, also a couple weeks ago. Okay, the other uh, statue-type piece is a mini bust. It, this is of um, the character of Sidney Bristow from the recent uh, TV series, also by J.J. Abrams, called Alias. I was a big, big fan of that show, especially the first few years. It kind of got, eh, it, it sort of dwindled off the last couple of years. The storylines got a little weak, and, and other things were going on. But anyway, the uh, the show Alias, really, really good, uh, starring Jennifer Garner, of course. And this mini bust is the, her character, uh, Sydney, on the show, holding a gun. It's from her about, I guess, thigh high up, and she's wearing this sort of black and pink outfit, uh, Basically, one of her typical alias disguises that she would use on the show to infiltrate with the bad guys and that kind of stuff. But I thought this was a pretty cool piece, and it's by a company. Let me look at the name here quick. Yeah, the company is called uh, Stevenson Entertainment. This is more of just what's called a limited edition, which means that this is not a numbered piece. There's, there's still several of them around, and I'm looking at one right now that's on eBay. It's only going for uh, $20, so... You know, that's what I paid for mine, and, and the re- one of the reasons I picked it up was just that it was very inexpensive, I thought, for a pretty cool little item. And, again, this is about six inches in height. Uh, there'll be, again, photos up on the website, the podcast notes, and that so you can get a better idea of it. But this is a neat little piece, especially if you're an Alias fan. So there you go, Sydney Bristow mini bust, uh, also uh, in my collection now. And uh, that's about it for uh, the items in my collection or recent additions to it that I wanted to discuss. One thing I wanted to bring up, though, is it's been around on the Internet the last week or two, but Master Replicas, which I am a huge fan of, makes a lot of the high-end Star Wars and Star Trek collectibles, has uh, sort of unofficially, officially announced what's coming up in the year 2007 with regards to Star Wars, basically. You, You realize that... 2007 will be the 30th anniversary of Star Wars. The first film, A New Hope, came out in 1977. So 2007 is going to, if you think you've seen Star Wars um, collecting and collectibles at stores and on the Internet in the past uh, 29 years, you have not seen anything yet. It looks like uh, Master Replicas is following somewhat of what they've been done, done in the past, where a lot of lightsabers, things like that, some re-editions of old lightsabers, uh, Obi-Wan's from A New Hope lightsaber, although in a collector's edition, which for Master Replicas, this makes it a little less expensive than their limited edition lightsabers, about $100 cheaper. The materials aren't quite the same. You don't get as nice a display case, but it's still a very nice item. So you've got those. You've got another uh, Return of the Jedi Luke lightsaber coming out. The really cool prop that I'm excited about, although who knows if I'll get it. looks like it might be pretty expensive, but they're coming out with a Chewbacca Bowcaster, which has been requested for, uh, well, pretty much since Master Replicas has been around. They've uh, they've wanted them to do a, a Chewie Bowcaster. You know, Chewie uses that sort of crossbow-looking weapon in all the Star Wars movies that he's in, and they've uh, really wanted to do that. And there have been some fans that have attempted it, of course, because that's what fans do. But they, uh, they're going to do an official uh, item, uh, Master Replicas, next year of Chewie's Bowcaster. I would estimate that somewhere in the 700, 6 to 700 range in price. I think they're going to, a lot of these items, they're going to do signature editions also. 
where uh, they'll probably get for the bowcaster Peter May- Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in the movies, of course. Huge, tall guy. If you ever meet him, he's like plus seven feet tall or more. Uh, anyway, he's uh, he would uh, there'd be a signature edition with this, which probably would tack another couple hundred dollars on the price and so forth. The um, other thing that Master Replicas is doing, they're doing this whole like bar set for Star Wars, which is kind of a little odd. They've got a Vader talking bottle opener, a lightsaber corkscrews, shot glasses, a whole like set of things. I'm not sure if you have to buy this all uh, in one pack or if you could buy items separate. I, I think maybe a little bit of both. A lot Again, this is just kind of early announcements. Nothing's uh, really in, in great detail out there yet. But I, I would think with this bar stuff, you know, things for uh, your bar down in your basement, you, you'd be able to buy these things uh, individually a little bit. So... Oh, they're going to do a, uh, an, a couple of cool items on the lightsaber end of things. They're going to have these build-your-own lightsaber type uh, where you get to take parts and, and, and put them together in some new kind of fashion and kind of create your own lightsaber out of uh, out of typical, you know, pieces that would be used, a pommel and, and the emitter end and the, a switch or whatever, you know. Kind of like they do, they have toy versions of these in plastic that you can pick up at your local, like, Toys R Us. But they're going to do these a little bit more sophisticated Master Replicas is. So that'll be an interesting thing to have out there. And they're going to do, oh, the other uh, couple of really big, nice items. They're going to do our studio scale, which are large model types of both the X-Wing fighter, Luke's X-Wing, and Darth Vader's TIE fighter as seen at the end of A New Hope for the 30th anniversary next year. Which, you know, these studio scale models usually go up into around a $1,000 price range, give or take a couple hundred depending on the detail and signatures or not and all that other stuff. So so that's kind of neat. Oh, the other uh, newer strange item they're going to come up with is a lot of cookie jars, Star Wars cookie jars, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll buy one and throw it on the on the counter in my kitchen if it's not too expensive and actually use it. I can't see, uh, can't see really having a cookie jar around and not using it for cookies, having it for a collectible. That just doesn't seem right. But they're also doing some a little uh, some lightsabers from lesser-known characters. Kayamundi from the Jedi Council. Remember, he was the guy with the big tall head in, in the prequels. They're doing a lightsaber of his. And Mara Jade, who's mostly just known in the what's called the Expanded Universe or the Star Wars books. They're doing her lightsaber, which is pretty cool. So you know, a lot of neat things. They're, uh, they're doing Master Replicas in, in the year 2007. And a lot of things that will... Uh, Make a lot of fans out there a lot poorer, I think. Well, uh, faithful listeners to the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast, I think that's just going to about wrap up what I wanted to get out uh, onto the uh, internets, you know, the series of tubes for this Wednesday. Uh, The last thing I wanted to say for the weekend show, I'm planning a TOS episode review. It's 99% most likely going to be the episode Assignment Earth. Remember the episode with Gary Seven? A little different for Star Trek. Didn't really have a lot of focus on the main uh, Star Trek characters and crew, but a very interesting episode, Assignment Earth, this weekend on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. So until then, everyone have a good rest of the week, and I will talk to you on Sunday. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.